Good evening. It is good to be here in the house of the Lord with His people, with His Spirit, with the power of God present to touch, to heal, to deliver, to answer prayer. I mean, who else can say that? Right? That they can go to a place where every answer we need in life is available to us. We are the most blessed. That we belong to a people. That we belong to the King of Kings. Woo! When was the last time you, you sat down and counted your blessings? You just start listing them. What do I have to be thankful for? Right? It takes a deliberateness. And, and as you do that, there is something that shifts in you and around you, that gratefulness opens up the door for you to receive more. Gratefulness increases your capacity to receive from the Lord. It was the children of Israel who forgot what the Lord had done for them that were doing laps in the wilderness. And so I urge you, take time, sit down, and and. List it out. I mean, if you're not going to write it down, that's fine, but speak them out. Thank the Lord for each thing as they come. And just like when those cartoons where they begin to pull a thread and they keep pulling and pretty soon the whole jacket is gone, just like that, that they'll just keep coming. One pulls on another one and, and brings another memory. You know how one memory pulls on another memory? Well, that's how this is. Gratefulness. And then thank the Lord for them and recognize that all good things come from Him. This week I was talking to another pastor and he was telling me about someone who had come to his church for a short time and they had been really church hurt, if you understand what I mean by that, hurt by their previous church. And they they came in and and they were at his church and then they were offended at something that truthfully they ought not be offended at. But they were offended and ran away now from his church. And so as he was telling me this story and what was going on, the Lord ministered to me and said that there are people sitting here in our pews that have been hurt by church in the past and that have never fully recovered or or they're still in that healing process. And so if if that's you, here in just a moment, I'm going to pray over you and you are going to be healed in your soulish realm in regards to those places and areas that you've been hurt in the past. I'll read a a scripture as to why I can say it that way. Peter wrote this. He said, speaking of Jesus, he says, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in His mouth. And when He was insulted, He did not insult in return. But when He suffered, He did not threaten, but entrusted Himself to the One who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, so that, having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed." So we, we take that to mean physical healing, and it certainly means that, but it also means more than that. 
It also means soulish healing. If you need healing in your soulish realm in this area. So if that's you, just stand up. Be bold enough to say, yeah, I'm still healing. I'm still recovering if that's you. And um, we will pray for you. Alright, those of you that are around the people that stood up, I want you to uh, just stretch, or everyone can, but stretch out your hands to them. And I'm going to pray to the Lord on their behalf. Father, I lift up my family. Thank You, Lord. Thank You that You've loved them, that You've cared for them. Thank You, Lord, that You have made healing available for them right now. I just release healing into Your lives in Jesus' name. That those things that have caused hurt and pain in the past, we close those up in Jesus' name. Right now with your own mouth to say, I release those who have hurt me. Father, I thank You that You by Your stripes have taken and provided healing for each one of these tonight. And we call You healed. Lord, I ask by Your Holy Spirit to just encounter and bring complete health and recovery and healthiness in every way in their soulish realm in, in regards to this particular area of the body of Christ and their relations with it. I thank You for it in Jesus' name. And You are free. You are free. Hallelujah. I don't think I've ever really exactly prayed that out that way before or done it that way before. <laughs> but I do know that if the Lord had you in mind, those of you that stood, right, had you in mind when He put that on my heart. So hallelujah. Alright, before we continue in our series of being a true disciple, let's go over and um, get sermon number one started. And let's go to Matthew 7. Something that the Lord wants to do tonight in Matthew 7, in us, as well as I think maybe another place. And I want to encourage you in your faith. I know that this, this, we are a faith church. We teach faith. We talk about faith a lot of times. But I just encourage you to take a new, fresh perspective once again of the promises of God. The simplicity of those promises. And then like a child, just trust that the Lord will do what He said He would do. Sometimes in the battle, we become familiar enough with the promises and and it, it loses its weightiness to us. Does that make sense? And we don't want that to happen to us because then, then what happens is we wind up in lack and without. So let's, let's take a hold of keep the ground that we've gained, right? And let's believe God for more. So in Matthew 7, Jesus is speaking. He says in verse 7, ask. Look at your neighbor and say, ask. Ask, and it might possibly, maybe, eventually, sometime, be given to you. Oh, no? That's not how it reads? Okay, well, the, the Holman says, keep asking. If you don't get it, keep asking. Um, but ask, and it will be given to you. Now, have any of you ever known Jesus to be a liar? No. no. I mean, Jesus... 
It's very important that, that what he says is true. Because if he's not who he claimed to be, if he's a liar, then we can't believe anything or trust anything he had to say. And we're here just bananas, bananas. Let's go do something else, right? I don't know what bananas, bananas is, but just a bunch of soft, mushy stuff, right? But if he is who he said he is, which he is, then we can take him at his word. That's an alarm. That, um, let's see. I think so. Do you have your car keys on you? You're pushing a button. He's the culprit. (laughs) He has a tile on his car keys that if you push it twice, even if my phone's on silent, it'll ring. So so now you know. (laughs) What's that? You don't have your keys with you? Yeah, okay. Somehow it was pushing it because it was being notified. All right. Ask, quit pushing the button, and it will be given to you. (laughs) Listen, the responsibility to ask is with us. We have the promise that the Lord already knows what we need before we ask Him. Right? He knows that you need whatever it is that you're needing. He knows that. But He still would like for you to ask Him for it. If you ask for it and then you receive it, you can draw. It's not that He needs you to ask. You need you to ask. Alright? Because when you ask and then you receive the answer to it, you make the connection that was God. But if it just falls on you like ripe cherries off a tree, you may not make the connection as quickly if you're not very astute. Right? Alright, so what does he say? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. Seek. That means you're searching. That means it's taking effort. That means you're being deliberate in your looking for. You're not just walking around because a lot of people want to do that. You know, it says seek and you will find. They want to just walk around and have it overtake them. Accidentally. But that's not what Jesus said. He said ask and now go looking for it. Seek, and you will find. Not you might, you shall, you will. Seek, and you will find. Like I said, Jesus isn't a liar, and He is who He said He was. And if the Son of God can make these bold statements, then surely you and I can do just the little bit that's required of attaching our faith and belief to it. And saying, okay Lord, I believe that. I believe that. I mean, this time of the year, I always think, because we're coming into Christmas, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how the angel shows up and says, hey, um, you know, you're going to have a baby, and and explains a few things to her. And she, at first, she's like, well, how can this be? You know, she'd never been with a man. Second, she says, be it unto me according to your word. She just had that simple childlike faith to say, okay, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. So let's you and I do the same. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So you've asked for it. And now you went out looking for it. You found the entrance. 
So now you're going to knock. You found the way, but the door's shut. You still have hindrances in your life. That means you may need to do some more work. And here it's knocking. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. And stop disqualifying yourself. You're in everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in everyone. Everyone. Say, I'm in everyone. Everyone who asks, receives. Thank you, Jesus, for saying that. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? No one would do that, right? I mean, not if you're a decent person in any type of way. If you then, who are evil, and he doesn't, he's not trying to say you're an evil bunch, how dare you type of evil. He's just saying you have a flesh that is rooted in, in evil. Okay? Our flesh wants to do evil. Our flesh doesn't get saved. Our spirit gets saved. Your soul gets sanctified. And your flesh follows along if you're being spirit-led. But your flesh doesn't get born again. Now there's going to come a day where we get that new flesh, right? Where we'll be able to do like Jesus, go through walls, and, but still eat honey and fish. How great is that? Now listen, he says, if you then who are evil, if I put it in my words, if you have enough sense, if you have enough common sense to give your children a decent gift, he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? How much more? Not just a little bit more. Not just as much as. No, much more. How much more will He give good things? Not bad things. Good things. Do you know what a good thing is? Is a broken arm a good thing? No, that's a bad thing. Disease, sickness, those are bad things. Lack without, those are bad things. Good things are having more than enough. Good things. How much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now in Luke 11, it has this account. He actually puts in here, will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Well, the Holy Spirit's a good thing. Yeah. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them. I just find it fascinating that at the end of this ask, seek, knock, and you'll get all the answers. By the way, follow the golden rule. He says, therefore, it's connected. It's not just a random thought off to the side. He's saying, here's why. If you want this to work, you need to follow the golden rule. And do unto others as you would have them to do to you. Be thoughtful of others. Putting others first. In other words, don't be selfish. Selfishness is a surefire way to bankrupt your faith. Why would I say it that way? Well, Psalm 34 verse 7 says that delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But if you're delighted in Him, that means your desires line up with His desires. Right? You're not coming from a selfish place. 
You are in sync and hooked up with Him and what the Father's thinking and doing in the earth. And He delights to give you the kingdom. Delights to give you the kingdom. Go over to Luke 18. Ask and you will find. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given. Knock and it will be open. Amazing promises. Just take those promises as that simple. Is that simple? You need something from the Lord? Ask Him. Luke 18, we'll just begin in verse 1. Now He told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. So you need to pray always and not give up. There's times that you will pray, you will ask. The answer, he didn't say the answer will come immediately. He said you will find. And you will find if you don't quit before you find. You will reap if you don't faint before you reap it. Right? Alright? So he's saying here's the need for you to pray always. And he goes, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. Doesn't sound like a very good judge, does it? Doesn't have the fear of the Lord. He, doesn't re- he, he just doesn't seem like a real good guy. Verse 3, And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Well, if she really needed justice and she really had an adversary and she's a widow, and this guy is making her ask again and again and again, he's clearly not a just judge. For a while he was unwilling. But later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. You ever hear the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Right there. She just keeps on coming, won't let him go, on and on and on, until finally he's like, you know what, I'm tired of this, let's just do what she wants so she quits pestering me. Then the Lord said, remember, he's trying to teach them something. Listen to what the unjust judge is saying. Will not God... Okay, let's go back. What did the unjust judge say? He said, listen to what he said. He said, I don't fear God or respect people. This judge is not a type of God. But many people have read this and they have believed that this is a type of God. And so, well, let let me just keep reading. You understand what I'm saying. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to His elect who cry out to Him day and night? People get the idea that they will have to just continually go to God and continually go to Him and continually go to Him. And, and finally, maybe they'll wear Him out with their persistent prayers and then the Lord will grant them their request. That's how this judge was. And Jesus is comparing the judge to God. And He says, will not God, He asks the question, will not God grant justice to His elect to cry out to Him day and night? Will He delay helping them? The answer is no. No. Now he says, I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? And look, when you pray, God's not unjust. He'll listen to you. The Word says that His ears are open to the cry of the righteous. Who are the righteous? The righteous are the ones 
who have submitted themselves to the Lordship of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed them and removed all unrighteousness from them. And it's because of that standing that you seek and you find that you knock and the doors are opened and you have the favor of God that's going before you. You have the promises of God that go with you. And when you ask for something and it hasn't happened yet, don't quit. Don't walk away. You don't know how close you are to the breakthrough. And then he says, God will do what swiftly? Boy, He'll grant them justice. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in the earth? Will He find faith? Well, if we, you and I, will just believe what He said. Ask and you will receive. He'll find faith in the earth. He'll find it here at Church of the Word International. He'll find it in your home. He'll find it where you work. See, being a child of God and having the favor of God on you and having the ability to talk to the Creator of the universe and present your request to Him and He'll answer that, that none of that means you're not going to have trouble. None of that means that you're just now going to just sail along above the clouds and never have any bumps on the ride. We live in a fallen world. It's training ground and practice ground for you and I. To take authority over devils and demons and and the darkness of this world because of the light that He has given. He's established the victory. He put it in place for you and I. Now you and I are going to stand in faith in what He's already done. Believe that we receive and don't quit. Just stay on it. Just stay on it. Eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. Remember, in talking about discipleship, Jesus said the one that looks back that puts his hand to the plow and then looks back isn't fit for the kingdom. I remember when I was a child, I'd mow our yard. We had three acres of yard to mow and then the church had a bunch more and they were right beside us and so we mowed both places. And because we had big stretches of grass, I would like to see how straight I could make the lines. And I always tried to prove that Bible verse wrong. That I could drive a straight line while looking back. I'm living proof. You can't do it. (laughs) Because it takes constant tiny corrections to keep yourself straight and fixed at the opposite end of the yard or field or wherever you're headed. In this case, Jesus. And it takes constant tiny little corrections to keep yourself going on the straight and narrow. And the moment you look back and aren't making those little corrections, pretty soon you're off in the bushes and making curlicues in the yard instead of straight lines. You know, they all have bends in them. It's not wise to try to defeat a Bible verse. Okay? (laughs) It's just not wise. All right, are we ready for more on discipleship? Being a true disciple is a series we've been in, and we have been learning what it means to be a true disciple. We've looked at some meanings. And I'm talking about being a disciple of Jesus, not of man. Okay, We're not drawing disciples unto ourselves, we're drawing them unto Jesus. And in John 8 has been our text. John 8 verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, He's speaking to believers, He says, If you continue in My Word, you really or you truly are My disciples. 
If you do what? If you continue, if you abide, if you live, if you dwell in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so as we looked at this, we recognize there's a difference between a believer and a disciple or a true disciple is how we differentiated. That you can be a believer but not actually be a true disciple just like they were right here. He was speaking to believers but it was conditional on whether or not they would be true disciples. The Amplified, I like how it says it here. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, if you abide in My Word, hold fast to My teachings and live in accordance with them. That's what abiding to His Word means. You are truly My disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So being a true disciple, or truly being a disciple, It's going to take an experiential knowledge of truth, of walking in truth, of living the truth. A humbling of yourself for when you miss it. And come back and line yourself up and walk straight and walk right with the Lord in the path and plan that He has for you. We talked about there's a difference between knowing about something, head knowledge, versus knowing at heart knowledge by experience. We are to experience the truth. What is a disciple? Well, the definition is to be a learner or a pupil. It means to be an adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. Excuse me. Making it his rule of conduct. Being a true disciple takes total commitment. We looked at cost last week. And the cost is, is pretty big. And we only got partway into the subject. We'll go a little further in it today um, and maybe on to something else. But being a follower of Jesus carries a cost. And we looked at first, uh, in first, 2 Timothy and in 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Timothy 2, and we saw that being a disciple is like being an athlete, an elite athlete, or like a special forces soldier. Right? We saw that it takes dedication and training and focus and purpose. And when you think of an Olympian, man, they put in, they, they are very, very dedicated to their craft. Everything about what they do, if they're, if they're the elite ones, is all centered around their, what they're doing. How they eat. It's all about the things they eat. How much they eat. How often they eat. How much they sleep is all centered around the race they're running or whatever it is, swimming or what they do as an elite athlete. Well, soldiers are the same way. They prepare and they train and, and they don't do it even at their own expense. They do it at the one that they're working for's expense. So as Christian soldiers to the Lord, we are the same. And it takes effort and it takes dedication and, and sometimes you're going to have to get up and go when you don't feel like it. Even when the get up and go seems to have gotten up and gone. Right? You have to get a hold of yourself by the ear like Joseph, uh, David did when it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He wasn't feeling that way. He despaired in the life. His life is how he was feeling. His guys were thinking about killing him. But yet it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord and they won a great victory because of his leadership. So bringing this back to you and I and and being athletes or soldiers is we talked about not being run by our feelings. Feelings are wonderful, but we are not dependent on feelings. 
And like a fuel gauge, feelings are indicators. And they can indicate, especially if you continue to have the same feeling over and over, they can be an indicator of some things that you should look into and deal with, but they do not establish truth, period. Do not establish truth. And we saw in Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. So that's a lack of selfishness. Take up his cross daily. Daily. It's an everyday choice. And follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life because of me will save it. So, that's all part of the cost that we were looking at. We say salvation's free, but yet it'll cost you everything. And I made the statement last week, and I stand by it. I mean, nobody gave me any trouble for saying it. I'm just saying, I I still say the same thing again, is I think it's easier to die for Christ than it is live for Him. Because death is over with so fast. And then you're in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We should have done that quicker. (laughs) But to live with Him is being crucifying yourself daily and your, your desires and your thoughts and your comfort zone and, and denying yourself. And I'm not saying just deny yourself something just for the hoot of denying it. I'm saying it's for the cause of Christ. You are, you are not just doing what your flesh wants to do because you realize that you don't belong to yourself. In, in um, Philippians... 1 verse 29 it says this it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him we know that's a start is to believe in him and to be his disciple but then he adds something else not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him to suffer for him you know come on pastor are you sure yeah that's what he said to the Philippian believers that also, just not just to believe in Him, but to suffer. Well, what kind of suffering are we talking about? Let's go over to 2 Timothy. Because part of being a disciple and part of paying the cost is suffering. And now, some people have bent this all out of shape, twisted it, misapplied Scripture, and wound up with doctrines of devils. We're not going to go there. What we are going to do is look at what does the Scripture say? What is the suffering He's talking about? That we are to believe and also suffer with Him. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You have followed my teaching, conduct. Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy. You followed my teaching, conduct, my purpose, faith, my patience, love, and endurance. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is the suffering he's talking about. Will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life. The cost of discipleship is being willing to be persecuted. If you're not willing to do that, then quit now. If you're not willing to let it Like Paul said, I I spend and am spent. And it was for their sake, for the sake of the Gospel. I like 
um, what he said. Let's go over to uh, Romans 8. I like what he said to the Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 4. He said, our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. This momentary light affliction that he was dealing with. Actually, let's not go there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11. Let's go look at what are these momentary light afflictions he's referring to. This, you know, I like when, I like to do this to my girls. When they try to attack me or do something. Or the other night one was trying to grab and squeeze my neck. And um, trying to find a pressure point to make me fall down. And I'm standing there going, Wait, is there a mosquito on me? I almost think I feel something. You know, it's like it's nothing, right? This momentary light. Is that a mosquito? Well, that's what Paul is doing to the devil. This, this persecution that he's brought against him. Ah, it's nothing. Is, was that a mosquito that we heard? Look, you say, I don't know. Well, okay. He calls it momentary light affliction. And I just think that's one of the best ways to taunt the enemy. Say, it's nothing. Second Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 23. It says, are they servants of Christ? He's comparing himself to some clowns that came in and tried to say they were super apostles and so much better than Paul and they should follow Paul. Right? And so he is, he's talking about these guys and he's saying, you know what? I'm going to talk like a crazy person here. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. <laughs> With far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times in death. Now listen to this. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Five times he received that. And the whipping post. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's eight different events so far. Once I received a stoning. Yeah, we know that story. They left him for dead. That's how stoned him. They, how stoned he was. Not in that way. Twenty-second, <laughs> fourth century, whatever we live in anymore. <laughs> Starting to lose track. But back in the 16th century when Gene was alive. <laughs> he says, once I received a stoning, three times I was shipwrecked. We only have record of once. But there was two other times that he didn't even mention in his letters. Shipwreck. I mean, that's something bad happening. Really bad. This is bad enough to have a wreck. I spent a night in a day... In the open sea. Shark bait. Those, that's warm waters down there. Yeah, three times shipwrecked. A day and a night out there bobbing around like a cork. On frequent journeys, so many times, I faced dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. Dangers from my own people. So when he says I faced dangers from rivers... That means that he crossed some rivers that were a little sketchy. He must have been robbed a few times. Because he wouldn't say, I faced rivers, and then actually he didn't face them. It was just, you know, 
I could have because I was out there. Well, he's not saying that about robbers either. You know, I could have been robbed. I was out there in the wilderness. He must, have, he must have been robbed. Dangers from my own people. Well, we know that to be true. Dangers from the Gentiles. That's true. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers at sea. Dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship. Many sleepless nights. Hunger and thirst. Often fasting. Cold and without clothing. Not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me. My concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? These are the things that Paul suffered. These are the things that he's calling momentary light affliction. I mean, you and I may have suffered some things in our life, but we didn't suffer that. Momentary light affliction. Obviously, Paul has his eyes on something different than the difficulties that he's dealing with, doesn't he? Let's go over to Romans 8. Talking about being true disciples, the cost of being a true disciple, and the fact that we will suffer some things. Now, Jesus made it clear that you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Alright? Peter was delivered. Paul said, I was delivered from all these persecutions. He delivered me from them all. I don't care what you caught in. I, I mean, I care about you. I'm saying it doesn't matter how big the thing is that you're caught in, but there's someone who has the victory for you and will bring you through. Romans 8. Did you find it? Let's look at verse 17. Um, let's go to 16 since that's where the sentence starts. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Someone say, I am God's child. I belong to Him. Verse 17, and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I like that. You mean I get to share in Christ's inheritance? Awesome! See, Paul had his eyes on these things. He says, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. If you want the prize, the suffering comes with it. If you want the glory... The pain comes with it. Now thank God that He is going to rescue you from them all. And bring you through them all. Verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. He has His eyes on something else that's bigger. That's better. I mean, in... in, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 maybe? Somewhere. Somewhere in Corinthians. Where he talks about we look at things that are not seen. We don't look at the seen. We look at the unseen. That's where his eyes are. He is looking at the prize and the mark and the high calling of God and the glory that is to come that he's going to walk in. Alright, so those are all part of discipleship. Suffering. Paying the cost. Go Put up on the screen Luke chapter 6. Verse 40 in the King James Version. Luke 6, 40 in the King James. <clears throat> now, the Holman or the Christian Standard Bible, which I'm reading, reads this verse this way. A disciple is not above his teacher. A disciple is not above his teacher or above his master. But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. The King James says the disciple is not above the master. Well, 
most of us would think, well, why say that? We know that, right? But Jesus thought it was necessary to say that. Because, see, we think that Jesus, Jesus had to face things, but we don't have to because He already won the victory for us. He's the Master, but we as disciples are going to do better. Now, don't confuse His sacrificial death. He did that for you. You don't have to do that and follow that as an example. But what you do have to follow as an example, be willing to die for the Lord if that's what it took. He says, the disciple's not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Everyone that is, let's just stay there. We're going to stay in verse 40. Everyone that is perfect shall be like his master. Now this word perfect is, uh, has confused people. All through Scripture where you read that word perfect, people say, say silly things like, well, nobody's perfect. And everyone's like, yeah. Well, not if you understand the way the word, the word perfect in, in Scripture, how it's being used. It means completed or complete. Perfected. It doesn't mean without fault. That's not what perfect means. Okay? So, so no one's without fault. Well, okay. But here in the King James, it says that everyone that is perfect or has in the Holman, it says fully trained perfectly trained, complete training. Their training is complete. Are you getting, getting it? We'll be like His teacher. This is the goal of true discipleship. This is the goal. To be like the Master. To be like Jesus. True discipleship has that goal. Be like Him. You're not going to pass Him, but you're going to be like Him. You know, the definition, I like the definition for holiness, is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. Being like Christ, the definition of holiness. Jesus came and walked in holiness. And if you want to be holy, be like Him. Christ-likeness. So as we read through and you see the words holy, you can just think of it that way. It'll help you grasp the concept. Let's go over to Philippians 3. So everyone who is fully trained, has completed their training, will be like his teacher. Who wants to be like the master? Amen. Now, didn't the devil want to be like God? He wanted to be God. That's right. He, he did say, I want to be like the Most High, but he had plans to supplant him. To take his place. He wanted to be God. Not be like God. We are told to be imitators of God. That's, that's our instruction. Be perfect for I am perfect. Be completed. Because I am complete. He is saying. Alright, did you find Philippians? Chapter 3, verse 7. Paul, he suffered a lot of things. He's telling them. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Everything that was my gain, I have now considered it to be lost. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. 
Remember how last week, we talking about the cost of discipleship, we had read how he had asked people, come follow me, and they're like, oh, well, I need to do this first. I need to go bury my father. I, I need to this, I need to that. And we, we talked about don't allow anything to come before the Lord in your life. Nothing comes between you and Him. Well, Paul is saying, I have considered, I've lost everything for the cause of Christ. Now, Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That's what he said. And some historians say that in order to be... See, the Pharisees were the lawyers. The legalese people. The Pharisee of the Pharisees, it's the lawyers' lawyers. They're the elite ones. Okay? In order to be in that group, that you had to be married. Yet Paul, later in the letters that we have, clearly refers to himself as single. And here he says, I lost everything for the cause of Christ. So I don't know. Was he married? There's a good possibility that he was and that he lost that relationship as well for the cause of Christ. So well, talking about cost, what do I do if my, if my spouse says that I can't go to church or I can't serve the Lord? Well, you obey God. You go to church. You serve the Lord. And, and Paul also said that if the unbelieving spouse is willing to, to stay with you and live with you, the believing spouse, that allow them to. Don't leave them. That they're set apart and sanctified by your presence. You're an open door into their life for the Lord. Alright? Verse 9. Uh, let's go back and just start at verse 8. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. In other words, completely worthless. So that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal... He is a disciple of the Lord. Here's his goal. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. My goal is to, to know him and the power of the resurrection. Yay, Paul! And the fellowship of his suffering. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. What? Yeah? No, it, it's both and. Being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Listen to what he's saying. Now, he says, not that I have already reached the goal. What was the goal? To know him. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering. He says, not that I've already reached the goal, or am already perfect or complete, but I make every effort to take hold of it. As a true disciple, Paul is saying he makes every effort to take hold of it. This isn't something that he just casually can walk in. It takes deliberate, concentrated effort. He has to endure. It's momentary light affliction. He has his eyes on the prize. He's going to hold on. He's not going to let go. I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do. In other words, it's not already over. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead. 
This is the one thing he does. This is why he can say it's momentary light affliction. It's nothing. It's just a mosquito. This is why he can make these statements. Because he has his eyes on what is to come. He has his eyes on reaching forward to what's ahead. He's forgetting what's behind. He's forgetting those things that he counted as loss or dung. The benefits that he could have had. The things that he could have done and all of that. He's forgetting all of that. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm just going to press ahead to the mark. He said, I pursue as my goal. Still speaking of his goal. The prize promised by God. Heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I pursue as my goal these things. What was his goal? To become like him. To know him. To know, know him means to be like him. And to also even suffer like him. That was all part of his being a true disciple. Go back over to Romans. Romans 8. Look at verse 29. We had been in Romans 8 earlier. So but down in verse 29, he says, for those he foreknew, speaking of God, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In other words, those that he foreknew... He predestined you because if you have a relationship with the Lord, He knew you in advance. He predestined you to look like Jesus. To be molded into the image that looks like Jesus. What does He say? He conformed you to the image of His Son so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. If there is a firstborn, that means there's a second and a third and a fourth and a gazillion. Right? And wherever you come in that number, you are to look like Him. You are to be a reflection of Him. As a true disciple, your image is going to look like the image of Jesus. This is why when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and you resist the devil, he flees from you because you look like Jesus. This is why we walk in victory. Predestined to be like Him. Someone say, that's me. I'm predestined to be like Him. Listen to these words. We're not going to turn there. I'll just read a few things to you. Jesus made these statements. In Matthew 7, He said, Narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Not everyone finds it. Few find it. Will He find faith in the earth? When he comes, few find it. He said in Matthew 9, he said, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. They're few. In Matthew 20, he said, Many are called, but few are chosen. He said it again in Matthew 22. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. There's many believers, but not many disciples. Who are completely sold out to the cause of Christ and to what He is here in the earth to do. You know, in the beginning, in Acts 1 1, verse verse, it says that Luke began to tell us about all the, the things that Jesus began to do. The reason it states it that way is because you and I are a continuation of His work, of what He began in the earth. We continue. Go to 1 John 3, talking about being, being like Him, molded into His image. 1 John 3 and verse 1. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children and we are. How awesome is that? 
His children. You're not an orphan. You're a child. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. Now. Not later. Now. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a child now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. Eyes on the prize. What we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Like Him. Because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure purifies himself, laying aside all the sins that so easily, and the weight that so easily ensnares and entangles us. And we purify ourselves and we run our race with our eyes on the prize, the author and the finisher of our faith helping us in accomplishing all that he has in us to do. And he is faithful to do it. That's what Scripture says. Go, go to chapter 4. Look at verse 17. Being like him. Chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, In this, love is made complete. With us, love is made complete with us, or in us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we. As He is, so also are we where? In heaven, in the future to come? No, in now, in this world. As He is, so are we in this world. Ephesians says that you are seated with Him on high in the heavenlies. That you are seated in a place of power and authority. So when that suffering comes, when the cost comes, you realize, I'm seated with Him. This little earthly stuff, you know, it doesn't matter if someone takes one of your crackers away when you've got 12 million more crackers. The sufferings that we have on this planet in facing and walking this faith walk is completely insignificant, is momentarily light affliction in comparison to the glory that is to come. I should have said that about Oreo cookies. As He is, so are you in this world. Well, how is He? Holy, righteous, sanctified, sits in authority, Son of God. Miracles. The divine presence of the Holy Spirit. To be a son. To be a daughter. To be like Him. You know, the book of John, the Gospel of John, starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. It's an amazing thing. You go down to verse 10, you'll see He was in the world, and the world was created through Him, and yet the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own people, and they did not receive Him. But to those, to all, but to all who did receive Him, to all who do receive Him, someone say all, it's amazing. All who did receive Him, He gave them the right, the authority to become children of God. Children of God. He's your daddy. To become His child. What's His is now yours. You have an inheritance in front of you. Momentary, li momentary light affliction? Pah! Hungry for a day or two? Pah! But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to become children of God. 
to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or natural descent. It wasn't, you know, it's not the Jew or the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. He is the one who chose you, who predestinated you to walk with him, to be his child, to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus, and to be a continuation of his work in the earth. Ministry of reconciliation, it's called. Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse 7. Talking about being true disciples. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. There's been discipleship movements in the past where people have drawn disciples unto themselves. And they have gotten into trouble. I mean, cults have formed, you name it. Abuses have happened. People have been hurt. We're not talking about that. Does that mean that you won't have someone that will imitate you? Oh, sure. But as you follow Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Him. He's the standard. He's the standard. He's the image that Paul is being conformed to. And as he reflects that image, follow Him. And so here he says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe, you watch the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. And I just love that he put verse 8 in here next. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be led astray by various strange teachings, he goes on and says. The standard is Jesus. That is who we are growing to become like. To be like Jesus. And so even if you are imitating someone else or you are, are observing and watching their life and walking, to, it has to be within that realm of like Jesus. And He doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the image is always the same. It's not changing. He was the same then. And the, the image that Jesus was when He walked the earth and that they were supposed to, to imitate is the same image today. Nothing is different. Culture's different. The times have changed. But He's not different. He is the standard. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto Myself. He is the standard. He is lifted up. Worship team, come. And um, the rest of you can go to Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll close there. Talking of being a true disciple... We've looked at the cost of suffering, but now the goal of discipleship is to be like Him. To be like the Master. To be fully trained, be like the Master, carry on with what the Master has started. In Ephesians chapter 4, this is where we talk about the fivefold ministry. And the ministry gifts that were given, He gave these gifts to the church, to people, and if you'll look at verse 11, it says, He Himself, speaking of Jesus, this is after His resurrection, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And this is what their job is. To equip you, the saints. That's us. We are the saints. To equip us for the work of ministry. What's the purpose? To build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity and faith in the knowledge of God's Son. Here's something else that happens. Growing into a mature man a, with a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness. Measured by Christ's fullness. What is supposed to be happening in discipleship is that we are becoming like Him. 
The Amplified. I like how it reads verse 13. It says that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God. That we might arrive at really mature manhood. The completeness of personality which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in Him. He is the standard. He is what we're measured by. The easy to read version says our goal is to become like a full grown man. To look just like Christ and have all His perfection. Did you know you can even smell like Him? The Bible says there's an odor that follows them. That walk in victory. You can smell like Him. Ephesians 4.13, um, again, reading from the Message Bible, it calls them mature adults, fully developed within and without. Fully alive like Christ. To be a true disciple, you're going to have to be deliberate. It's going to take effort. You need to hold on. And the image that you're striving for is to be like Him. To be like Him. And when you realize that you've missed it, I wasn't like Him, just repent. What does repent mean? It means change direction. Change your direction. If you realize that you're running off the road, you repent and come back to the road. There's no shame in that. Hey, I nearly ran in the ditch, but I repented. Changed my mind, changed the direction. So for you and I to be like Christ, Christ never sinned. You and I have. But He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins as we confess all those things to Him. Stand with me if you would. Let's make some declarations to the Lord about ourselves. You can just repeat after me. Lord, I want to be like You. In the image of Christ, I'm asking You to mold me, to shape me, develop me, into the image of Your Son. I surrender my life, all that I have, all that I am, all that I possess, into Your hands. And I say, be my Lord. Be my Master. I want to be like You. Here am I. Use me. Send me to do Your work. To be Your hands and feet. To be the light and life that You've created me to be. I am salty. In all the right ways. Jesus said You are the salt of the earth. You flavor every place you go into with the aroma of heaven. You carry the very Spirit of God with you. You know, have you ever encountered someone who carries demonic spirits with them and you can sense it? Well, guess what you carry? You carry the life and light of God, the Spirit of God, something that's no match to. So walk like lions, humble like a lamb, but bold as a lion. Amen. Let's worship Him.
Lord, you are holy and we worship you. Thank you, Father, for being a good and a kind God. Thank you for being a good Father. That your mercies are new every morning. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to all generations. And we worship you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all our goodness. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. Good are you. Thank you, Lord.
The request that you have of the Lord, the prayer request that you have, the things that you need of the Lord, go ahead and ask Him right now. Just ask Him. Make it personal between you and Him. Ask Him for the things you need. There's an open heaven over this house. Lay hold of the treasures of heaven right now in this moment. The disciples, they found a colt. They brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the colt, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. This group of people, they were grateful for what, what, what had, they had seen. For the miracles. They were thankful. And that, that gratefulness, in their gratefulness, they were acknowledging Him as King of Kings. And we know that what comes after this was He made a way for them to have fellowship with the Father. Something much greater than they'd already experienced. And this is what they said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. They were being loud and obnoxious. Loud enough people were uncomfortable. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. <laughs> there ain't no stones going to be crying out in this house. Only living stones that are set upon the stone, the foundation. So, when you hear your neighbor being loud and obnoxious, yeah, I'm talking about Shane. Listen, if he'd be quiet, the benches start yelling. So it's better that we do that. Alright? So don't look at him as what's wrong with him. The question is, what's wrong with you if you didn't join in? Come on, let's give him another shout. Glory! Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We bless you, God Almighty. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Lord. 
You are good. You are worthy of our praise. Woo. Someone say, I have the victory. It belongs to me. Yeah. Thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession. A triumphal procession, it's a glory parade. He leads us in His glory parade. And through us spreads the aroma. He spreads the smell of the knowledge of Him in every place. For to God we are, to God we are the fragrance of Christ. You smell like Jesus to God. To God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Among those who are perishing. You smell like Jesus. Tell your neighbor you smell like Jesus. (laughs) Go on up there so people know. Ibaladonye, Abalakinse, Ibaladonye, Abalakinse, Yabaladonye, Yabaladinse, Yabakose, Yance. Before I say anything, it's important to be obedient. It's so important. Even if you're uncomfortable, this is not, I want all of you to look right now, it's not, this is not comfortable for me, but I'm obedient, and this is what I heard, it is I, the Lord, that is here right now, that is moving amongst every person in the midst of this church. It is I, the Lord, who is being worshipped tonight. It is I, the Lord, who is here to set anybody who's struggling free, to set the captive free. It is I, the Lord, that is present. What will you ask of me? And what will you tell those around you of me? What you encounter tonight is not just another service. This marks the night of change for the rest of your life. If you choose it. Choose life, I say. Choose love, I say. And rejoice in the freedom that's set before you right now. I sense this really strong, so strong. That there's one or more people here tonight
that the Father wants to extend his love to. One or more people tonight that are here that have never that has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Father wants you to know that tonight you can forget your past and you can step forward in freedom that you've never experienced before. Tonight, you can let it go. And receive it all. There is freedom in this place. Freedom for you today. There is freedom, healing in this place. He's here for you. Just receive what he has for you. It's time to receive. What he has for you. There is freedom, 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 freedom here tonight. Freedom from the past that starts tonight. There's freedom. Freedom. coming through but there's big angels he said flew around the sanctuary and they flew around and around and around and each time they went around they said glory 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 holy 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 is our God ever since they've been created they saw a new aspect of God each time they went around the throne room and they said, holy, 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 holy is our God. Mighty is our God. Creator of all things. Good and faithful God who loves us, who created you, who has a plan for you, who has a will for your life, who made you to be one of his, that you may be a glory to him. And that you may magnify his holy name. 
because he is worthy. He is so worthy. He is so worthy. He is so worthy. I'd like to close, but there's something else the Lord wants to do, and I don't have it. Somebody here, I think, does. So check on the inside. If that's you, come up here and let's do it. Breakthrough is in the house. Breakthrough is in the house. There's some of you that have been praying for breakthrough. The manifestation of God's spirit is here. Yes, I receive, Lord. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. God's anointing is in the house. Your situation has shifted. The very thing that you came in here with tonight has shifted because of the manifestation of God's spirit. Receive your breakthrough. Receive your breakthrough. Receive your breakthrough. Hallelujah. 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 Harobosata. Harababasata. Hallelujah. Harobosanda. God has touched you. He's touched you. Horobosanda Rabaha. Glorabosanda de Bohata. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So what do you need from the Lord? Just lay hold of it right now. It's mine. It's mine. I receive it. It's mine. Thank you, Lord. It belongs to me. I've taken possession of it. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's Jesus' promise. Some of you are healed tonight. Some of you are set free tonight. Some of you have come up in income tonight. Some of you, your debts are removed tonight. In Jesus' name, relationships are restored tonight. What the locust has stolen shall be returned tonight. I call for creative miracles in your body tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
wall to wall, healed, delivered, set free, set apart, redeemed, walking, running, jumping, leaping, praising the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for a healing in Adele's body. I thank you for a new pancreas and, a, and an immune system that works properly in her body. I call you delivered in Jesus' name. I call you delivered, Carson, in Jesus' name. Your pancreas renewed, rebuilt, souped up, and working good. Your immune system in harmony and working perfectly in Jesus' name. Delivered, delivered, set free. This is the year, this is the day of my healing. This is the day you're set free. This is the day it belongs to you today. Father, we lay claim and we lay hold of that emerald building. Lord, we don't let go of it. We call it into our possession. We call that place into our possession. It belongs to us. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it. Lord, I ask you for a building for us down in Richmond as well. A place that we can launch a Church of the Word International where we can impact the entire region. Lord, I'm asking for a place where we can have weekends of meetings. A one that fits us well, that we can grow into. This is my request, Lord. I believe I receive it. I thank you for it. I thank you for meeting every need down there and up here in our finances. I thank you, Lord, for bringing the right people into the church here and there. I thank you for bringing the right people alongside of us as we walk this journey. I thank you, Lord, for greater vision a greater understanding, a greater expansion here in Washington, D.C., in Richmond, in Connecticut, up and down the East Coast, Lord. Just blow it wide open. <laughs> Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, bring them in from the East and from the West, from the North and from the South. Bring them in from all corners around this state, Lord. Those that need to be set free and delivered, bring them in. This is the house of freedom. This is where the gospel is taught, the full gospel. Lord, we release your power in this place that everyone who comes onto the property, everyone who comes onto the property, they immediately encounter a living God, the power of God. They come and they're set free. They're delivered. They're healed. They're redeemed. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it. Oh, by the Lord, I lift up all 
of our missionaries around the world, those that we're supporting. Lord, I thank You first and foremost that You keep them in the safety of Your hand, that Your angels are assigned to protect them and to guard them, to go with them. Lord, open up doors of favor to them as they go, Lord, that miracles would break out. That as they preach Your Word, that You confirm with signs and wonders and healings that Jesus the Messiah is the Son of God. And I thank You for it. Father, I call for a great outpouring of finances to come into their possession so that they're equipped to do all that You have put within their hand. In Jesus' name, I thank You for it. I thank You for it. You said to ask, I'm asking. Thank You, Lord, for an increase of finances in this house. Thank You, Lord, that we are equipped to do every good work. Thank You, Lord, that the people of this house are blessed, that they have financial breakthroughs, that debts are paid off, that they rise up. They are the head and not the tail, that they overcome and not go underneath. We're blessed going out. We're blessed coming in. We're we're blessed every which way. And I thank You for it. I thank You, Lord, that You have given us the power to get wealth. I thank You, Lord, that You have given us the ability to be well-equipped in the land. Well-equipped to do every good work. And we bless You for it. Hey, listen, if you're here tonight and you're being plagued by nightmares, I speak to you right now, and I say these nightmares stop in Jesus' name. You're not going to have another nightmare. No more. No more. They're, They're finished. They're finished. They're finished. I release the peace of God upon you in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for life. Thank You for peace. Thank You for health. Thank You, Lord, for Your eyes to see and Your ears to hear. To think like You think. Lord, we want to think like You think. We want to be strategic like You are. To have the long-term vision like You do. Oh, baya sakade anda. Nimba hase de lebe hekunda. Ya de he shoma di alabande. Doma yesuba de ababa de he sho. Nimba di he soma de abaku. Nango labaye to manje. Ninda hasi at a manje. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The gifts and callings that God has placed upon your life, they're still there. You haven't outlasted them and you haven't outsinned them. If you've sinned, just repent and come back. The gifts and callings are still there. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your abilities, your empowerment. Thank you, Lord, that you are patient. Thank You, Lord, that Your mercies are new every morning. Lord, I ask You right now, 
right now. I'm asking you to touch the people's lives in this church, the, pl- the people that you want to go on to the mission field and st- send to strategic places. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to birth that in their heart, that the knowing of it would awaken and begin to well up on the inside of them. Father, those that are in this place that you have called into the fivefold ministry, we, we ask, Lord, that you awaken within them right now those gifts and callings. I thank You, Lord, that you, you arrange them in Your body as You see fit. I thank You, Lord, that every part, every member would take its place and help each one of us here to know our place, the place that we fit, the place that will glorify You, Lord. will glorify You. We're going to glorify Him. We're going to go forward and not backward. We're going to go up and not down. We're going to go in victory. We're going to go in light. And the darkness flees from us because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Someone say, I have the authority. He has given it to me. And I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to run in it. I'm going to run in it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Young man, the dreams that the Lord's put in your heart already, the things you've already said with your mouth, they'll come to pass. They'll come to pass. Keep your eyes on Him. They'll come to pass. And don't you worry none about it. It'll come to pass. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? All right. Awesome. Oh, by the hello, body, I'm a cool. Oh, by the soul. Damale, hede, behisho. I just wanted to share something. Come up close. So, about a year and a half ago, um, my husband and I had decided that we wanted to try for another baby. We wanted to have another um, child. And so, we, about May last year, um, and before that, we had had a miscarriage in the summer of 2021. And so, we finally got to a place where we were like in agreement about this. And um, we, you know, are doing our part. And so we prayed and we agreed and we asked the Lord. And um, first month goes by and nothing happens. And I'm like, well, this is weird because I was so confident. And so then a few more months go by and I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't understand what my body is doing. Um, And so now we get to a year goes by and still nothing's happened. And at this point we don't have insurance, so I don't have an opportunity, or at least we weren't paying, you know, the substantial amount of money to go get checked and have your annual things done. And, and so I'm just believing it this whole time, like, all right, Lord, like I just trust. Right. And so I had a lot of lip service and so about September, 
this year, I, you know, I got my cycle again. And I'm so discouraged at this point. I am crying. I mean, it was, it was probably about three or four days that I was just completely angry. And I was crying out in anger. What are you doing, Lord? Like you said that this is what you would gift us. Children are a, a heritage from you. They're a gift from you. I've asked you, we ask, we have not because we ask not to ask and we receive, right? He doesn't withhold one good thing from his child. So I go through this, you know, and I finally just lay my heart before the Lord and another month goes by and nothing happens. And I'm like, okay, I'm holding on. And, and I just remember that the Lord asked me to, to, you know, get before him. And there was two times throughout that, this year and a half that's been, that he, when I got before him, he said, he asked me one question and he said, do you trust me? Of course, Lord, I trust you. Then, then you wouldn't be acting like this. Then this would not be your response. And that was really difficult to hear because then I knew it was me, you know, it wasn't the Lord. And, um, and so I was out to coffee with a friend and, you know, as the Lord was ministering to me um, in October about this, um, I remember I had got, I had reached a point where I was, I was almost, I was standing on scripture, but it was twisted, right? So I was standing on scripture about how the Israelites asked and asked and asked for a king. And finally the Lord gave them what they wanted, even though it wasn't what he had planned. He had a judge system, right? But he gave them Saul because they asked. And I was like, well, I don't want to be an Israelite like that, asking and asking, and it's not really the best that God has. So then I, I was sharing this with this person, and um, and what the Lord was showing me was that there's going to be a point that I'm on the other side of this testimony. <laughs> and am I going to be found faithful, even though this is really hard for me, even though, you know, I'm going to be real transparent, even though the meal taking is hard and the baby showers are hard and the other announcements are hard. Okay. When you see other people getting their victories and you're standing there and you're like, Oh Lord, this is why you call it enduring faith. Right? So he, I shared with this friend, I said, I shared this about the Israelites. And in that moment, I got this check in my spirit and I, I ignored it for a couple weeks. But in that moment, the Lord said, who told you to stop asking? And I was like, I don't think that's the Lord. So then over the few weeks that I just kind of pondered this thought, I was like, well, I haven't asked in about a year and a half. I have not asked since the first time, right? And... I just was like, all right, Lord, I repented because I, I knew that I had been wrong. I knew that my heart posture was wrong. I knew that how I had acted and my lip service was not my heart condition. And so I got scriptures and the scripture that you shared in Luke tonight, right? Luke 11, that ask and you will receive. And, you know, scriptures about children. And, um, and so about a week and a half ago, we found out that we're pregnant. So, and I, when you were sharing earlier, 
uh, sharing this testimony. And um, the first thing that I was thinking about when I found out was um, the scriptures that he gave me and, um, and that, that I was on the other side of the testimony and, and how important like being found faithful is. Are we going to be found faithful in the things that he's asked of us? Or are we going to go around again because for whatever reason, whatever the situation is for you, you know? But I just wanted to praise the Lord. It's awesome. Congratulations. God is good. Aiden, why don't you come up here, please? Can I pray for you? Lord says he's given you an excellent spirit. It's obvious to all of us looking on. That excellence is going to require an accountability from you that not everyone will face. Not everyone will walk in. So always, always use it for the Lord. Always check with Him. He'll direct your step. You'll go up and not down. Doesn't mean you'll never be tested, but you're going to go up and not down. And He'll use that excellence of spirit to glorify Him. Yeah, that's it. Is that all right with you? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Lord. I just I ask you to bless Aiden. Cause him to increase in every way. That your favor, like the favor that was on Joseph, would rest on him. I thank you for that. I thank you for it being like a coat upon him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Wild times at CWI. (laughs) Take it home with you. Come back next week. And let's be the hands and feet of Jesus during that time. All right? Love you guys. Love on each other as you go. And he's Lord here tonight. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to Church of the Word International. Glad that you're all here tonight. The family of God assembling themselves together. Praise the Lord. There's no better place to be than here. Amen. Praise God. I'd like to encourage you tonight in the Word of God for our whole night of worship. And worship just isn't singing. It's a posture. It's a position that we place ourselves before our Father, one of submission, one of surrender, one of honor, one of adoration. That's our whole night tonight. Amen? 
Psalms 156 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I have breath in my lungs for one more day to worship you in the flesh. Ever think about it that way? Because the dead are not praising God. Only those who have breath in their lungs. Amen. So check this out. It's kind of cool. In the book, The Hallelujah Factor by Jack Taylor says, and I'm going to quote, when we praise, productivity is maximized, fulfillment is realized, and frustration is neutralized. Wow, it's powerful, isn't it? Let me, let me ask you, when you're in worship and you're praising God, have you ever got a witty invention or a wisdom or God spoke something to you that literally changed your day, your week, your life? It's because you're vertical. You're praising him. He can drop things in really easily. So productivity is maximized. Realization or fulfillment is realized. Your, your soul is overflowing with the joy of the Lord, the thankfulness of your heart. You think about all the things that God's done for you, all the things he is going to do for you, and you overflow with that. Well, when you're praising God, who can't stick around? The devil. Despair, discouragement, all that's got to go out the window. It can't stay. It's like oil and water. It doesn't mix. So the oil of gladness for mourning, the, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or despair. Praise is a supernatural spiritual weapon. It is a weapon that we have available to us 24-7. And when we come together collectively and corporately as a body, oh, devil, watch out. Amen. Well, let's stand up. We got a lot to sing about, and we have someone to praise tonight. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our quick coming king. He's on his way and let's just praise him and thank him for it. Well, he's alive. Jesus is alive. Glory to God. He's alive in you. He's alive in us. That resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead after being dead for three days, it lives and dwells and pulsates in you. You've got the life of God in you. Hallelujah. you got the light of heaven in you. You walk in darkness and somehow you just light the way. You light the way for yourself and you light the way for others. That's what the Bible says. You're the light of the world.
Hallelujah. We've got to see ourselves as God sees us. Amen. That's what's going to rub off on those who are looking saying, what do you have that I don't? Hallelujah. That's, that's how to bring people into the kingdom. Because you smell like Jesus. You look like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You walk like Jesus. Glory to God. That's what he wants from each one of us. Representing him well. Hallelujah. Well, you are in the right place at the right time. Doing the right things with the right people. Glory to God. So turn around. And let's love on each other and say, I'm so glad that we're a part of the body, this body of Church of the Word. One way we love God is by loving one another. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. It's good to be here tonight. Amen. We welcome everyone here to Church of the Word International. We're glad to see each one of you. We like to give a special welcome to anyone that's here for the very first time. So if this is your first time at Church of the Word, can you just raise your hand? We'll clap for you. We've got one here, one in the back. Welcome. We trust you'll be blessed tonight. Something's good. God has something good for you tonight. I believe it. All right, well, we're going to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need, amen, that's right. It's a privilege to be able to return the tithes to him. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving, you can raise your hand and our ushers will bring you one. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And if you're giving by credit card, you can just fill out all of the blanks. Makes it so nice and easy. Well, how many know, you know, in Leviticus chapter 27, the Lord refers to the tithe as the holy portion. And, you know, I I don't believe that that's changed. I haven't found a scripture that says it stopped being the holy portion. I haven't found it yet. So the Lord still views our tithe as the holy portion. And that's part why we do that here. This is because it's the word. It's part of our worship to return the tenth to him and we're grateful. Aren't you grateful to the Lord for the way he sustains you, for the way he provides, for every good gift that he puts in your hand? I'm grateful to him. And I write, so when we tithe, we're acknowledging him as our source, as our provider, as the blesser. That's one thing we are acknowledging when we do the act of returning the tithe. But now tonight, I want to talk about offerings. See, there's the tithe, which is the tenth. The Lord said that belongs to him. And then there's offerings. Then there's first fruits. We're going to talk about offerings. So you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. See, it's God's will for you and for me to increase. It's his will for us to prosper. It's his will for us to be fully supplied able to abound into every good work. That's his will for you and I. But now, do we have any responsibility in that happening? Is there, do we have anything to do with whether or not we experience that? Absolutely, we do. And that's why he tells us over and over in the word, here, do this. This brings prosperity. Here's how to increase. Here's how to be blessed. We have so many scriptures like that. So, In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 
I want to start in verse 10, because this is a big key. This, the whole kingdom of God operates on this principle that we're going to talk about tonight, the law of sowing and reaping. It says in, in verse 10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower. Who does he supply seed to? The sower. So not everybody's getting seed. It said the sower. He supplies seed to the sower, not the hoarder, not the one who's going to eat their seed. See, he says, he says here he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So he's your provider. He's your, he meets your needs. He, you know what? He watches over the sparrows. He feeds them. And you're much more valuable than them. He supplies your daily food, your daily needs, but then he gives seed, which would be extra, you know, beyond the daily, like, I need this to survive, for the sower. Says, will also supply, the one that's doing that, supplying the seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase, catch this, your store of seed. Oh, so... So I should have a store of seed, not just, you know, a little bit over here. I should believe God to grow that storehouse of seed. I should have a place where I'm putting seed aside. It's a lot of S's. For sowing. More S's. You know, my, when I was a little girl, and I know I've shared this before, but my dad was a grain farmer, amongst other things. And one of the things he did after harvest each harvest time, he would have this hopper wagon of seed that he'd store in the barn. Why didn't he take that hopper wagon of seed to the, I don't know what you call it, the place where it'd get exchanged for money? Or the granary, what do you, I don't know the term. <laughs> A Zimmerman's smiling at me. <laughs> so why didn't he do that? Why, why did he hold on to this seed why didn't he say, you know what, we really, you know, need a new couch. We really need, you know, we, we could eat that. We could go somewhere. Why didn't he just take it all and turn it all into money? Well, because, I mean, I know you all know where I'm going with this, but because if he would have done that, he would have had nothing to plant the next season. There would have been, he would not have been prepared and ready for when the ground was ready. And here's the time to sow. Here's the time to plant. What's the purpose of planting? Anyone? Harvest. A harvest. So he didn't eat a seed. He didn't say, hey, I need it all right now. No, he had a store of seed saved aside so that he could produce another crop. So, so you, here's two things going on. You've got a crop. The Lord brought you a crop. But now don't eat all of it. Save some aside so you can plant again. Says he, he's in the business of increasing your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, if you back up to verse 9, he's talking about, he says, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever because it's a righteous act to give to those in need. And so there's a harvest with that, that righteous act of sowing, of giving, there's a harvest for that. Verse 11, this is the purpose, this is the outcome for the sower. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous 
on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's the outcome for the sower. That's the outcome. Somebody say, I'm a sower. I'm a sower. I'm going to be enriched in every way so I can be generous in every occasion. Amen. It's the will of God for you. It's the will of God for you. And we get to participate with what he's put in motion. All right. Well, let's take a hold of your tithe or an offering if you brought that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, we just thank you for the way you sustained us, the way you provided. Lord, that there's nothing that misses your eye, that you watch over us faithfully with love in your heart for us. There's not one thing that you've missed in our lives, Lord. And so we thank you that your thoughts are good towards us always. Lord, I thank you for the seed that you put in our hands. And Lord, we ask for wisdom to know where to sow it, when to sow it, how to steward what you've given to us. And so we return the tithe as part of our worship, as part of our honor of you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, in our bulletins, we have some things to mention with CityGate Columbia tomorrow. You can sign up tonight yet if you haven't and would like to go. Youth and Young Adult Impact is tomorrow evening here at the church, 6 p.m. Our Christmas giving. How many of you were here last week and I read the letter off um, of what our Christmas giving project is this year? So we're just doing random acts of kindness as we go about our month. And so please take time. I think there's more papers in the back. You can read details, but you know, you can, it can be anything, but any, from small to big, it could be paying the grocery bill of the person next to you or the person ahead of you in line. It could be giving a, a gas card to somebody, but you should be listening to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Lord, how do you want me to participate with this project this year? Who do you want me to, who do you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus through? I, you know, I didn't say that right at all, but you all are hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> Love on one another. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let his resources flow through you to people and ask him how he wants that to look. Amen. Christmas parties coming up Friday evening, December 8th. We have a sign-up sheet in the back. If This is super important. If you plan to be there and haven't signed up, what do you need to do? Sign Go sign up. Why? Because, well, you know, if there's, says 50 people are coming and we plan, you know, taco meat for 50 people and 100 people show up, well then, it'll be multiplied or all are on rations, something. So it's very helpful if you sign up, if you plan to come. Um, Adrian, why don't you come and um, wanted to share. Yeah, here, let's give him the microphone. Adrian is going to be leaving in the beginning of February, February 2nd, and uh, he'll be traveling where he will be doing a DTS, which is the Discipleship Training uh, Course. Tell us a little bit about um, the length of the school, how long you're going to be away, some of the things that you'll do while you're there. Yeah, so the beginning of the whole 
missions community sort of. And they also mentioned or possibly Northern Africa. Yeah. yeah. So one of the two. Um, so you come back when? The end of June, something like that? Yeah, so I'll leave February 2nd, and then I'll return. Okay, very good. How many of you in here have done DTSs in the past? I know some of you have. Raise your hand real high so that we can see you. I guess everyone that oh, over here is one. And uh, I know Janelle Garman has. Martin. Yeah. We have so many Janelles, right? <laughs> and, um, okay. And then if you would like to, it's going to take, how much money do you need to be able to pay for the trip and everything that's involved the whole time? I'm believing God for So, obviously, let's keep him covered in prayer and the rest of the young people that are going through it while they're there. Keep mom and dad covered in prayer, right? Um, we've done without him for a couple months before, but not five or six. So, this is good. It's stretching us. And, um, and then also, if you want to sow into that, uh, which some of you already have been, sow into that, you can um, just make it out to Church of the Word and, and memo it like you always do where you want it to go. Anything else? That's it. All right. Also, um, a while ago, we had Janelle Garman share about going to Kenya. Ken- no, Ghana. And um, sorry, it's been a long day. This is, this, I've preached three sermons today already, so you, you'll have to just cut me a little bit of slack. Um, but anyhow, she had shared how she was going there, but that trip for her, not the trip, but for her has been delayed. And so the funds that we brought in for her, we will just hold until the time comes that she goes on, on a trip. So those of you that were interested in that, that a way to uh, just let you all know what's going on there.